We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Baseline underneath, bank shot. No, Ewing slams in the follow. And the Knicks go up by one with 26 seconds remaining. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. The buzzer sounds, and the New York Knickerbockers are going back to the NBA Finals. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's 50. They say it's 50. Hey, Paul, you know you're my favorite white boy, right? Had to say it. You know, it's just too easy. <laughs> Keith McPherson on the fan. A five-hour KM to AM. One hour in. Four hours to go. Enjoy your Friday night. Drive safely out there. Or kick back, relax at home, and just have the radio on in the back. Do what you got to do. Clean. Have a drink. Watch the Rangers. Watch the Devils. And uh, call me up so we can talk sports. Whatever you guys want to talk about in the sports world. This is New York City. We have every sports fan of every team and player and every thought and every take. And uh, I think now is a good time to try and reset the table here. Obviously, it's championship weekend. And uh, I put my picks out there, but I didn't actually put my picks out there with the spread and the over-under. I'll wait till later in the show. But now I just really want to see this Andy Reid Bowl. It's hard for me to actually think that a competitor like Patrick Mahomes, who I do believe is the best quarterback in the NFL, Burrow is a close second, maybe not even second, but it's hard for me to believe that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Spagnola and Travis Kelsey and you know Chris Jones and all these guys that are in the NFL that have played in Super Bowls, that have won a ton of games, that were the number one seed. It's hard for me to believe that these guys are going to be okay losing on their home field and losing to this team four times in a row after all of the disrespect that we've seen this past week. You know, it's 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 interesting where we are, right? These uh, NFL players are in their 20-somethings, and they grew up in this culture of trolling, of roasting, of, you know, the Internet, which is not real, you know, where you can say and do anything on the internet without getting punched in your face. Well, now you got to step in the ring. And there's going to be some blows thrown. And you got to go to Burrowhead, which is Arrowhead. And those fans are going to be even more fired up. And like I even alluded to, that city is going to be conspiring against you. Good luck at the hotel. Good luck at, you know, good luck at where, wherever you are. When you, when you land, when you get on the bus, you're going to have a whole city looking at you with these eyes like they want to literally kill you. Because you poked the bear. You more than poked the bear. You crossed the line. You disrespected Kansas City, their quarterback, their team, their franchise, all of that. And you could have just kept your mouth shut. We've seen this in sports so much. We've seen this in sports, right? They talk about bulletin board material. This is beyond bulletin board material. So I just think the Chiefs are going to play like their life depends on it. And they're at home. And uh, I understand Joe Cool, Joe Bird, Joe Shiesty, Joe Thorough. Joe Burrow is the real deal. 
But uh, he's down two offensive linemen. They were able to survive last week against the Bills, but the Bills are already suspect. We knew that. We knew the Bills were suspect when Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins were actually having a game in Buffalo. And I know we wanted to believe in the DeMar Hamlin story. We wanted to believe that that was going to give them some juice. And it was theatrical seeing the snow falling in Buffalo. You wanted to believe that that gave them some type of home field advantage. It didn't. So they were able to narrowly escape a defeat from a backup quarterback in their own division. The Ravens were this close to that score swinging, right? The Ravens were, you know, (laughs) if the Ravens run the ball with J.K. Dobbins instead of going over the top with their backup quarterback, that score swings, and we're in a different game there. So they get through that game against a division rival. They get through the Buffalo game, and Buffalo has historically collapsed. This is a Kansas City team that has been to five AFC championships, right? They're ready to roll. And uh, I think Patrick Mahomes on one leg is going to do what he has to do to beat this team. So I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl. And I'm no Eagles fan, but I think the Eagles at home, you know, this this whole playoffs is pretty much gone chalk. Right, So the the one seeds meeting in the Super Bowl makes sense to me. The Eagles are stacked at every position, and they didn't show you everything last week. They ran the ball a ton, and they ran the ball at will. But they were playing against a New York Giants team that honestly didn't belong there, a team that overachieved, a team that nobody had penciled in to the divisional round, let alone the wild card round. So that's why I said earlier, like the Eagles, you know, they got to kick up their feet a little bit. They're not really banged up from that first round battle against the Giants. They're ready to go. And I know the Niners are a juggernaut as well. Like when I when I look at the Niners, like Fred Warner is is one of the best players in football, probably the best linebacker in football. George Kittle, him and Kelsey are the two best tight ends. Debo Samuel, he can do whatever he wants, running the ball, catching the ball, you know, breaking runs, taking it to the house. But it's going to come down to quarterback play and Brock Purdy has had the luxury of, you know, playing at home, playing in the comfort of his own stadium in front of his own fans. And uh, last week we saw the Cowboys get to him a little bit, make him look like a rookie a little bit, like that one play where he almost didn't throw it out of bounds in time. It's like, what are you doing, son? You know, Michael Parsons trying to get in there on him. I think that the Eagles will get home. I think that Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and Devontae Graham and uh, Fletcher Cox, or Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox, like, they have a defensive stack. They're DBs. It's not going to be so easy, right? You saw Dak throwing interceptions. It's not going to be so easy to get the ball to Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. I don't know who their other receivers are. Ray Ray McLeod, Jawan Jennings, they rarely get the ball. They, they're going to target Kittle, and I think it's Kittle's game to take over. And maybe he can, but... When you look at the Eagles secondary with James Bradbury and C.J. Gardner-Johnson and, of course, Darius Slay, like these are lockdown guys with experience. And it's not going to be so easy to find receivers when you've got a defensive line breathing down your throat, running you down. And, and Purdy's been pretty elusive. We'll see how elusive he is when he's running for his life this weekend. But it's going to be harder to find open receivers when they're blanketed and you're facing a rush like that. So... For what my money's worth, it's the Andy Reid Bowl. And that was written in the stars a long time ago. Eagles versus Chiefs. 
Andy Reid versus his former team. And uh, no one wants to see the Eagles win another Super Bowl. I thought that would never happen. No one wants to see their fans burn their city down again and pump out their chest. What we would love is to see the Eagles lose the Super Bowl so that Philadelphia has to stomach a World Series collapse and a Super Bowl loss. Keep McPherson on the fan. Call me up. 877-337. A six, a six, and two more sixes. We've got people on the line. Let's go to Lou in Astoria right now. What's up, Lou? Hey, Keith. How you doing? I'm good in here watching the Rangers. They were just somebody was just throwing hands, duking it out. Jesus, you don't think the Devils are going to do it? Yeah, yeah. Devils Devils come on in like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Listen to me. Um, Who you got for the Super Bowl? Before I go to Cecil Fielder and 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 Roger, who is your? Make it I got to the, the Chiefs. Super Bowl and winning. I, I got I got the Chiefs winning it. I thought I, I don't know. You might not have been listening while you're on hold. I got no, the no, Chiefs no. beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Well, um, I, I happened to take the Eagles, but anyway, this is a Cecil Fielder. That was great. Listen, the one thing you cannot take away: him and his son are the only two players in baseball history to hit over 50 homers. Remind them when you go and you see him tomorrow. I mean, when, when is it? Saturday or Sunday? Next Saturday, yeah, and Sunday, I think he'll uh, be there. So, yep. Anyway, as far as Rogers is concerned, I'm really concerned about bringing him to the hair, especially with the media. And he's like a crybaby. You know, he cannot get away with what he did in, in Green Bay and here with New York. It's going to be, it's going to be not, not going to be easy. But I do, the only thing I like is you can teach Zach Wilson the fundamental development, developing into a good quarterback. I don't have a problem with it. But, you know, like I said, make it. All he can do is make the playoffs. He's not going to go anywhere, as you know. I remember when he played the Giants in the in the Super Bowl. I mean, I think it was the Super Bowl or in the playoffs, and he was missing. When it comes to playoffs, he wasn't really that great. He was missing his receiver by ten yards. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I it was watched. very cold. He has Hello. folded. The, and, I mean, he hasn't won a Super Bowl since what? What was that? Two thousand ten, two thousand eight. Um, been, he's come been, up short. He's come been, up short. It's been such a long time. And let me tell you something. Like I said, I'm a Jet fan. I mean, I'd rather have it, even though he's another headache, but I think he's, he's in his last, his last harad, uh, Baker Mayfield, at least for a couple of years. And I don't, we don't have to give the world one because he's a free agent. But, uh, listen, I agree with you. I think that the Chiefs are going to be tough, but I hate the Eagles and I can't stand those people. But I tell you what, I, I, I won't put the house on them. But I think they're going to win it. You take care, and listen, you're doing a great job. Take care. Thank you, Lou. Uh, a few things. Um, unfortunately, again, I chose the Dallas Cowboys. I know you've heard me say it a thousand times, but I've watched them closer than any other NFL team. And I hate the Packers. Let's go back to 2014. Dez caught it, but he didn't. Aaron Rodgers knocks off Tony Romo. Let's go back to 2016. Jared Cook. Aaron Rodgers finds Jared Cook for them to knock off the one-seed Cowboys in Jerry World. Like, Aaron Rodgers has come up short, and he has failed in the playoffs, but he has succeeded, and he does have a Super Bowl ring. And maybe it's time. Maybe it has run its course in Green Bay, right? You could sense some frustration with him, just little things this season, right? He, he's throwing a pass to a wide-open Christian Watson in the beginning of the season. Kid drops it. Would have been a, a long touchdown, like a 60, 70-yard touchdown. Drops it. Uh, later in the season, he's quoted as saying, hey, you, you want to catch touchdowns? Run the right routes. Man, pair him up with a Garrett Wilson. Please, I want to see it. I live 20 minutes from the stadium. I want to see Garrett Wilson just running little slant routes 
and Aaron Rodgers throwing dots right at his face, this kid catching it and making a corner, a safety fall, and then him running down the sideline to score touchdowns. Like, that's what you got to do. The Jets know what to do. And the first step in doing that was Nathaniel Hackett, right? If this is a, you know, four-step, five-step parlay, the first leg of the parlay is complete. It's green. There's a green check mark for gang green. Nathaniel Hackett, you got an, a, a veteran OC, right? You you tried it with LaFleur and Zach Wilson, two rookies that made no sense. And speaking of two rookies, right, it, it made no sense to have a rookie OC and a rookie quarterback with no veteran in that quarterback room. If you put Aaron Rodgers in that quarterback room, he he's going to, even if he doesn't necessarily want to mentor Zach Wilson, which I think he does because he wouldn't be texting Zach Wilson from Wisconsin on a Friday night at 6 p.m. to tell him, hey, get out of the facility, go be a kid, go have dinner, go enjoy your life. I know you want to get better, but like, how much can you do right now? Go take a break. So I think he does want to mentor this kid. I think he likes the fact that like, He's been in the league long enough where these kids are getting drafted and coming in the league, and their favorite quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Not Tom Brady, not Peyton Manning. Their favorite quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. I think he likes that, and he's still playing. And just watching Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson will learn. He doesn't have to literally hold his hand and bring him along, but like the first thing I thought about Zach Wilson is he has no one there to show him how to be a pro, how to be a professional. We're doing all this talk about Patrick Mahomes what happened with Patrick Mahomes in year one? He sat behind Alex Smith. Alex Smith isn't the greatest quarterback. He's no Aaron Rodgers. He was drafted before Aaron Rodgers. But Patrick Mahomes got to watch an NFL quarterback go about his day-to-day business, and he learned how to be a pro. So Zach Wilson needs to see one of the greatest of all time go about his business day-to-day and then follow that man's lead. The Jets have to get it done at this point. We've talked about it now for two weeks. If it doesn't get done, I don't know what exactly they're doing. 877-337-6666. Coming up at 830 is Frank Isola. Let's go to my guy Hayden in Dix Hills. Let's go. What's up, dude? Uh, just a question I have for you. Um, now that Scott Rowland got in the Hall of Fame, how does that how does that compare to the chances for uh, guys like legend in New York, like uh, Keith Hernandez, Don Mattingly, and uh, David Wright? I feel like all those guys had higher peaks than uh, Scott Rowland. Um, I just think that's something to consider. Will that maybe let um, other guys who overlook get in the Hall of Fame now? Because so, I feel like just, uh, can was I, never an elite player. Can I slow you down? Let's let's go back. So you first mentioned Keith Hernandez, right? Yep. yep. Um, well, Fred McGriff is in this year, and he got elected to the uh, Hall of Fame by the um, uh, Contemporary Era Committee, like his peers. Like they had to vote him in, right? Yep. His, his time passed. Like that's got to happen, in my opinion, for a Keith Hernandez or – uh, a Don Mattingly, like these guys are guys that when they were playing, they were the best at their position. And I didn't get to see them play, but every time I hear people talk about them, I wish I got to see them play. Like they were that good. And for them to be left out of the Hall of Fame, but like a Scott Rowland, who I've, I faintly remember seeing Scott Rowland yeah, at the end of his career, and he wasn't a guy that I looked at as like, like surefire Hall of Famer, Scott Rowland, that guy, when, yeah. you, when you tell the story of Major League Baseball, can't leave him out. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you think about uh, David Wright, too? You think David Wright now has a better shot? Because I feel like he had a higher peak than uh, Scott Rowland did at one point. Like, I, I never would have thought David Wright is a Hall of Famer, but his peak was pretty good. You know, similar the- to, like, Don, Don Mattingly, injuries back and, like, you know, didn't really get to play out the career long enough. And I think, obviously, here in New York, we're biased because 
you know, we're we're watching these guys play uh, 81 times uh, a season, and they're our guys. I think David Wright, who was, you know, the captain, Mr. Met in Queens, like, I, I think he's got a case. I really want to see, you know, when he's on the ballot next year for the first time, you know, how many percentage, like, yeah, what's, the, what's the percentage of, of the first vote he gets? Like, I don't know if he's going to be a first ballot guy, but I'm very interested to see, is, is he over 50%? Who else did you I mention? Feel- I feel like he's going to be a guy that's going to take multiple ballots if he gets in. But right, that's what I'm saying. If, if, but if he's on, if his first ballot, he's over fifty percent. You got to get to seventy five percent. Like, is it going to take him five years? Is it going to take him eight years? Like, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to take. But uh, I just think this whole thing is messed up. And we talked about it. I think my show Monday night or maybe Tuesday night. This has just become these uh, baseball nerds that are in the Baseball Writers of America Association that push pens. It's been their ego time, right? It's been them, you know, flexing yeah. their power and, and them saying, nope, we are the gatekeepers. We have to do right by the history of the Hall and Major League Baseball. No steroid users. And now we have advanced metrics that we didn't once have. Let's go to baseball reference and crunch the numbers and figure out guys to put in because we're not going to put in any steroid users. And you can't have classes coming up. like uh, You can't have years coming up where there's no one in, right? You can't have years yeah. coming up where there's no ceremony. Uh, so I, they got to figure it out, and they got to change things a like little also, bit. You're going to let in, like, Carlos Beltran for the sign stealing scandal. Eventually, if he gets in, like, you have to then almost essentially let in the steroid users. It, it all stops with David Ortiz being a first ballot Hall of Famer for me. David Ortiz being a first ballot Hall of Famer, what's what's going on? Like, if this guy was linked to PEDs even a little bit, like there was a survey or whatever, I don't know exactly when he was linked to PEDs, but how do you put him on the first ballot? How is he a first ballot Hall of Famer right away? He doesn't have to wait a year, a couple years. Some of these guys have had to wait years, and it's like, I don't know, it's crooked. Like, And, you know, it's all subjective. It's it's a bunch of nonsense. They, They don't have any, like, objectiveness in it at all it's all about who's nice to the press like jeff kent has like 400 and something home runs for a second baseman he's not going to get in because he pissed off the press right it's, so ridiculous. it's about personality you know big poppy was a fun loving guy who gave us quotes and uh like come on with this like this guy clearly was on roids at some point and uh you know he was too close to manny ramirez not to be but manny's never sniffing the hall of fame but this guy's first ballot make it make sense yeah, I'm with you on that. I just wanted your thoughts on that because I think it's a bunch of crap. It, it is. And if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Because I'm, I'm 34. I'm, I'm a millennial. So I think like our I'm, age and I'm, younger. I'm 25 years old. So. Yeah. My, like my age and younger, like people in their in their 30s, 20s, like we, we look at this and like in a couple years, we're not even going to care. Like once CC gets in, I don't know. Like am I going to care when potentially like Aaron Judge goes in in however many years? I don't know. Thanks for yeah, the call, no, Hayden. All right, let's see here. Should I take another call or break here? I sh- I'll take another call because we're getting frank at 8.30. We'll have enough time to take a call and a break. Hmm, eeny, meeny, money, mo. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. All right. Jarvis is in Harlem. What's up, man? You're back on the fan. Yeah. <laughs> I heard someone in the background like, yo, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm on the radio on the phone. Luckily, everybody else wants to talk about the same thing. Mark in Yonkers, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. (laughs) Hey, you got it. Hey, Keith, man, it's good to see you still doing your thing. I talked to you your very first night on the radio. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. It was uh, a nervous night. 
I was certainly scared. I faked it until I could make it. <laughs> I remember. Now, just let me make, uh, I'm going to make two points real quick before you go to break. Aaron Rodgers, as people know, hates to be compared to Brett Favre. Yeah. Hates it. So he should walk so, him. That's why I think he won't come here. Yeah, because it just it just lines him up with with Favre again, and uh, he's probably not trying to be compared to um, Brett Favre, especially with the whole uh, where welfare money stealing scandal down there in Mississippi. Right, right. And Salah, I'm sorry, Keith, but Salah, I am so surprised that he is not fired. And let me explain: you have a number two quarterback you picked for a reason. You benched a kid when he's five and two. I don't want to hear. Some of those wins were lucky. There's not a lucky win column. It's wins and losses. The kid was five and two. You allowed that locker room to 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 tell you who they want to play quarterback, running around with t shirts. I mean, what is this? High school? I mean, he has clearly lost the locker room. He, he may they, never they had abandoned it. that you gotta develop him. Yeah. Like we developed Jones. It was a like mess. they just totally I'm sorry, Keith. They just totally abandoned this kid. It was a total debacle. And if you can't see that Salah lost that locker room, I mean, come on. They let him, they, they, they told him who to pick at quarterback. I mean, really? You have an obligation to play for whoever's in there, to the fans. And if you don't want to, there's plenty of people that will take your place. I mean, I just think that whole situation was a disaster. It was. Thanks for the call, Mark. I'll say this about Salah, and it's the same thing you've heard me say all season, right? Like, from the from the jump, they were in trouble. Preseason, when Zach Wilson went down, wait, go back. Why is your number two overall pick <laughs> that you need to be the man starting the first preseason game? Because clearly, he didn't do enough in the offseason to take a step forward because clearly you need to find out if he's the guy. You put him in harm's way, he got hurt. And then you got to go to Joe Flacco week one. And uh, he was a statue. He's cooked. He's old. He's way past his time and his prime, whatever. He was able to still win. But when Zach comes back, he does win some games. But why did he win those games? And I know Mark mentioned that he was 5-2. and two. Brees Hall, <laughs> Brees Lightning, Brees Hall, like that kid, I wish he never got hurt. And I hope he comes back healthy and he's young, and I think he's going to heal up and, and and not be too affected. But, like, that kid was breaking the game open. He was breaking runs. And when you break runs like that, you're a threat. Where the defense is more worried about you than anything else, it's easy to complete passes when you can play action. It's easy to complete passes when the whole defense isn't worried about you hurting them and they're keying on the running back. But, yeah, Rob Solid from the jump with the uh, Mike White shirts and then the costumes on that Thursday night game, that ended up being the Jets' funeral. They threw Zach Wilson jerseys on the field. It was right before Christmas. Ruined Christmas. And they had players dressed up as the Grinch warming up on the field. Um, what was it? Quinn and Williams' brother, Quincy Williams. And then Ozama pulls up in the rabbit the pink rabbit costume from a christmas story like they're not serious they're, they're being so unserious a head coach has to stop all of that a head a head coach has to say hey fellas like we're we're literally playing for our season against the jaguars who went on and won a playoff game we're literally playing to get in the playoffs what are you doing where's your head at but i don't know where his head was at and i don't know if he ever had the locker room 
Those guys were liking tweets, disparaging Zach Wilson. Those guys were throwing fits. Like, you have a rookie receiver like Garrett Wilson, who is all-world, very talented, but you have to be a coach and tell that rookie, hey, don't show up your quarterback. He's going to learn. This is probably his last year. Playoffs or you're out of here. Keep McPherson on the fan. We're going to go get Frank Isola. Frankie Ice is going to talk hoops with us. Knicks fans, Nets fans, don't go anywhere. You're listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. To the fan. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. The New York Mets, for the first time in 15 years, are champions of the National League. When New York sports happens... Talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, yeah. A little bit after 8.30 on The Fan Friday night. Keith McPherson checking right back in and joining me, Frank Isola, Frankie Ice. You guys know who he is, obviously, right? If you watch basketball and you're in New York City, I feel like there's no way you can't know this guy. What's up, Frank? Keith, what's up? Is James Dolan still sitting next to you? Is he still in the studio hey, right now? Yeah. You <laughs> should ask off. him some net questions. <laughs> First off, I was roasting him last night at like 1, 2 in the morning when I was on. Did not know that he was going to physically be in here today with Carton and Roberts. I listened to that, and I feel like he redeemed himself some because the, like, Fox oh. 5, the Fox 5 videos online were not very becoming. They were actually very cringy and... Uh, he came off differently on the radio. What did you think? I'm assuming you heard the interview. I said I heard some of it. I mean, I you know I first did an interview with him. My lord, it <laughs> might be all the way back in I think the summer of 2000 on a golf course in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Alan Houston had a charity golf event, and it was the summer where Alan Houston was going to sign a huge contract. So I went down there. I spent some time with Jim Dolan. So I had been around him for a long time. In you know before everything really blew up. You know, it's 2000, they made the Eastern Conference Finals. It was only like a couple of months after that. Uh, they've only won, uh, excuse me, they've only won one playoff series uh, since then. So it's, so it's been a while. You know, it's funny, the one thing, the only thing I would say about the facial recognition, it kind of made it seem like he, he wants it because he doesn't want fans coming up to him and yelling at him, which is fine. But I don't know, like, there was that ugly scene of the uh, Ranger fan knocking out the fan of the yep. Tampa Bay Lightning last year. I mean, is that guy banned? And he's yeah, that guy definitely should be banned. Well. You know, it comes off super insecure to have the owner talking about, like, himself and using that technology. You just mentioned exactly what it should be used for. Like, if you come in this building and you don't know how to act, you're never allowed in again. And so you're not... everybody. Yeah, so, you're... If you're sitting, so if you're sitting in the upper deck and some guy for no reason punch you in the back of the head a couple of times... I would hope the next time that that's no, no. He comes said in, he said he on said, WFAN, if you're all the way up in the top, whatever. Like we're not going to hear you, we're not going to see you. It's uh, people. It, 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 that's exactly what I took from it. It's really just about protecting him. Which again, he's allowed to do that. But he basically told any other fan, if you're getting assaulted, well, it's kind of uh, game on for you. You get to 
You'd have to defend yourself. I have, no, I have nothing to do with that. The facial technology is basically to, to protect him. And again, he owns a building. He could uh, do whatever he wants, but to try to spin it as anything other than that, it was a little silly. Yeah, I mean, I, I took the explanation. It sounded a little better on radio than it came off on TV, but whatever. Well, he also, well, Keith, Keith, he also had practice because, I mean, there's, yeah. they obviously go over this stuff, and then he, this, the trial run was on with Rosanna Scotto on Channel 5, and then obviously they probably felt like they wanted to clean stuff up. He's not going on, nothing against uh, Craig Carton and Evan Roberts, he's not going on with them because he thinks they're terrific guys. He's going on there because they probably think, ah, it didn't come across as well as we wanted it to. And what happens too with Jim Dolan, when you spend time around him, like in a casual setting, he's, he's fine. He could be pretty funny. And in those kind of settings where it's, it's hard to really defend what he's doing, so really it's not going to come across well uh, anyway. But I think he wanted to give himself a second chance to kind of uh, explain what's going on over there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, the guy just seems like he does a lot of thinking about things and uh, – uh, trying to really, you know, you know what they should think about. Here's, here's what here's what I would think about if you really cared about the fans. Think about like winning a little bit more. That's the thing. <laughs> Maybe think about having stability in the organization because here's the deal: everything that's gone on, it's not the fans who might be screaming "sell the team," or it's not the media that might write really mean things. It's it's been. You know, since 2000, only one playoff series victory. That's not on the fans. That's that's not on the media. I always think, too, you know, it's funny. There's a bunch of American owners that own teams in the Premier League. Um, you know, Stan Kroenke owns the Nuggets and the Avalanche and the Rams. He owns Arsenal. And then you have the guys, the Glazers, they own Manchester United. And whenever those teams do poorly, the fans go crazy. They hold protests outside the stadium. They'll get somebody in a plane. They'll fly over and tell them, to sell the team. But I keep thinking, can you imagine, you know, if Jim Dolan gets mad at one fan holding up a sign saying sell the team, can you imagine if he owned one of these Premier League teams in England where, like, you know, the, the fans organize protests and they get, like, 20,000 people to show up? It would be uh, nah, that, nah, the facial technician, the facial facial recognition technology would be working overboard or overtime, I should say, uh, at games if, if he owned a team over there. Yeah, he's king of his castle in the, in the middle of Manhattan, and he's ruling over that place however he wants. And what I thought was that, you know, him being with Craig and Evan, they made him more, like, human, more personable. When you saw him on TV, it's like, this guy is a billionaire, and he's coming off very insecure, and, like, he had a printout of, you know, this uh, attorney or the guy that's from the SLA. He had his number and his email and his picture printed out. Like, come on, bro. Like, who's doing that if you're a billionaire? Like, you're stooping to that level. But whatever. It is what well, it is. Well, he always – and he also – he likes to fight. That's always been his thing. When you have the money and you have the attorneys, you could do something like that. For him to go and conduct interviews because he doesn't normally do it, he doesn't like doing it, it tells you that he he's going to fight this thing. So, you know, you have – uh, politicians coming after him now, so he he's going to show you that he's going to fight back. Remember, you know, I looked up it was 15 years ago when the Nuka Brown Saunders had the um, sexual harassment lawsuit against the Garden, and they could have settled out of court, and really it would have kind of gone away pretty quietly. And, and that's what he was being advised to do, even by attorneys and people close to him. And he wanted to take it to trial, and then you know his deposition was played, and it wasn't a flattering image of him. You know, Isaiah Thomas was the last thing that Isaiah Thomas wanted to do was get on a, a witness stand. He had to do that. Stephon Marbury had to do that. It just was a – it really uh, put a dark cloud over the garden. And when all of a sudden was done, 
they ended up paying out a you know close to twelve million dollar. I think that was that was the jury ruled in favor of the plaintiff, and then there was a out of court settlement. But the out of court settlement was a, a reports are close to twelve million dollars. Yeah, and like now that you're saying that, I remember that, and I don't even want to go through some of the other sketchy things that this guy has on his resume being the owner of the Knicks and the Rangers. I'm watching the Rangers right now. There's people in there drinking beers. I don't think he's ever really going to do the thing he said about having a night where they're not selling uh, you know, liquor in the place. But let's talk about the Knicks now, right? Uh, the Knicks are coming off their biggest win of the year, in my opinion, knocking off the Celtics in the TD Garden. And Julius Randle seems like it's automatic for him to drop 30. Uh, Jalen Brunson, these guys have played enough games where they're in a little bit of a flow now. They're relatively healthy. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson is out, but you know they they have R.J. Barrett back, um, and then you're you're getting guys like Jericho Sims and Quentin Grimes. Like you're getting contributions from IQ and other guys. Like their squad is kind of coming together right now, um, but they've obviously had some letdowns in the fourth quarter, lost games, lost multiple games in a row, and uh, they're leading you know into this uh, or they're going into this Nets matchup rivalry week. And I think they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Let's talk about the Knicks and like what you're seeing. Who's standing out yeah. to you? And uh, you know what are you thinking about this team now? You know, even Jim Dolan, he he gave uh, credit to Leon Rose. They asked him about not getting Donovan Mitchell, and he said himself he expects them to be a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, well, number one, I feel good if I were the Knicks because I'm going into tomorrow's game against the Nets, knowing I'm going to face Kevin Durant. Yeah. So that's going to make things a lot easier for the coaching staff and the players. Uh, you know, I, I always thought that Tom Thibodeau would be a, would do a good job there. You know, his attention to detail is what it is. I mean, if you if you look at Tom's uh, career, you know, when he was in Chicago, Derrick Rose, the youngest MVP in league history. Uh, Joe Kinnoa became an All Star for the first time there. I believe the same with Jimmy Butler when he was in uh, Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns became an All Star for the first time. It's a very good, Julius Randle did in New York. A very good chance that Jalen Brunson could make it as well. I think early on. You know, their talent isn't great, and you know you do have guys on the team like Derrick Rose and Evan Fournier, guys that have accomplished a lot in the league, especially in the case of um, Derrick Rose, where it's a tough decision a lot of times for the coach to make that call to say, you know what, you guys aren't going to be part of the rotation, but that's why the coach gets paid the big bucks. So I think it took him some time to sort out the rotation. You do have, you know, you're bringing in a brand-new point guard, I thought, I mean, I'm somewhat biased because I know him and I like him, Jalen Brunson. So I thought he was going to be good. I think for a lot of people, he's probably exceeded expectations. He brings, you know, it's like having an adult, like running your team. He's just, he's very smart. He's all about winning. He's he's about, you know, trying to make the players around him better. He, you know, he'll be a coach. I mean, maybe he'll make so much money that he won't need, need it, but he loves basketball so much. I could see him being a coach one day. And I think just having him there and knowing that Tom is known Jalen, since he was a kid, because Tom has a very close relationship with Rick Brunson, you know, dating back years. You know, so they're, you know, they're really in line. And you know this, it's kind of like football. When the head coach and the quarterback are on the same page and are really connected, it, it trickles down to a lot of players. But i got to give Julius Randle a lot of credit. He didn't play well last year. A lot of people are thinking, man, they got to get rid of this guy. But Julius Randle, you know, he, he makes quicker decisions with the ball. I know sometimes he gets a little dribble happy, but, you know, he's he's really played well this year. And the Knicks are good. I mean, you, you tell me. You look at the Eastern Conference. When if everyone's healthy, you know the Bucks have better talent. The Boston Celtics have better talent. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers have better talent. I would say the Miami Heat have better talent. The Brooklyn Nets do. So there's a lot of really good teams in the Eastern Conference, and I think they've done a really good, more than a good job, keeping their head above water. 
Yeah, I have to agree. Like, I'm watching the Knicks, and, and what I've been saying about them all year is, like, they build up some goodwill, and then they erase it, right? They they do something good, and then they, they lose a couple games. Or you think that they're, you know, uh, onto something, and then, like, the Luka game happens, and it's like, oh, same old Knicks. But, yeah. you know, uh, old habits are hard to break, and the same old Knicks curse is, is hard to shake. Like, they're trying yeah. to be uh, a good team. They're trying to become a competitive team. And like you said, in the East, right now they're they're seventh. Yeah. I think they're going to remain around like six, seven, eight. And uh, if they don't make the playoffs, I still expect them to be in the play-in. Yeah, no, I, th- I think they'll be able to do that, you know, assuming everyone stays healthy. And you know how it works. I mean, I think the two teams that you look at in both conferences that have kind of that have been a disappointment in terms of the record early on were both Golden State and Miami. So, you know, Miami just, you know, it's a well-coached team. They have good players. You know, I always expected them to turn around and we'll see what happens with the Warriors. But for the most part, you know, you look around the league, except for Boston and except for, you know, Denver and I guess Memphis as well, you know, all these teams are, are kind of in the same boat. And it's weird because I think, you know, load management has a lot to do with it. I mean, look at the Clippers. How many games uh, Paul George, and I'm not saying they haven't had legitimate injuries. Same thing with Kawhi Leonard. But, you know, they've missed a lot of games. The, the Clippers were struggling. All of a sudden, they get those guys playing, and it's a much different team. Mm-hmm. But I just think for the New York Knicks, you know, you, I agree with you. Like, when if you're just looking at the Knicks and you're looking at the results, and they're kind of an up-and-down team, but that seems to be just about everybody in the league. Denver's not like that because they probably have a guy that's going to win the MVP again in Nikola Jokic. You know, Milwaukee struggled because Chris Middleton had missed a ton of time at the start. They played seven games and got hurt again. So every team in the league um, has issues. So, like, the up-and-down nature of the next season is kind of indicative of just about every team in the NBA has been. Yeah, and the trade deadline is coming up. And I know there's been some talk about them trying to move Cam Reddish, also some talk about them trying to get OG Ananobi. Like, uh, I don't know. I feel like if they make a move here, that could potentially put them more to the top of the East. And when, you know, they're feeling themselves right now after beating the Celtics, and I think Julius Randle said something along the lines of like, you know, we could we could lose to anybody, we could beat anybody, but if you get one more guy, you know, maybe that puts them over the top. I, and I think that would yeah. be on, you know, Leon Rose and these guys to wheel and deal and do. And I don't know if they're necessarily going to do that. I still, for the life of me, can't understand what their draft plan was, like what they were going into the NBA draft trying think, to accomplish. Yeah, I think they thought they were probably going to get Donovan Mitchell. I don't think that they thought that, uh, Cleveland was going to be a real player in that, so that was probably a miscalculation on their part. I also think, you know, the one thing with Cleveland, I do a you know, radio show on Sirius in the morning with Brian Scalabrini, and he obviously knows Danny Ainge mm-hmm. very well. And he can, you know, when the trade was made, and, you know, people were talking, well, did the Knicks offer this, they offer that? And his big thing always was that Danny Ainge really valued Lowry Markin and more than he valued R.J. Barrett. And, and Danny Ainge is a pretty good judge of uh, judge of talent. He doesn't get it right all the time, but I mean, look at the Celtic team that he put together; is pretty good. And Markinen is probably going to be an All Star this year. And you know, so Danny Ainge was onto something. Larry Markinen is really coming into his own. So maybe it did come down to that. Maybe it just came down to something as simple as uh, Danny Ainge felt that uh, Markinen was a better asset than R.J. Barrett. Maybe he, maybe the Knicks weren't going to give up all the first round picks that they had. But I think the combination of that, because of Mitchell Robinson, and I was wrong about this at the start of that, ah, well, you know, I mean, it would be a small backcourt. But I think Mitchell Robinson would have helped a lot, much like Jared Allen helps Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland in Cleveland. So I think 
I mean, Donovan Mitchell's played so well. And now you think about it, can you imagine Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson again? Man, that, that would be lights out. Yeah, now I'm only going to keep you for a couple more minutes. We got to talk Nets. I know we're the B team, but I'm a Nets fan. I'm from New Jersey. I rep Brooklyn. Uh, I do the Talking Nets podcast, and I've talked plenty of Nets on the fan. Uh, honestly, I think this is the Brooklyn Nets time where they actually lose. Like the losing, like the winning streak is up to eight, and that's a that's a long streak to have in a rivalry. That's dominance. That's three years. But uh, without KD, and obviously what we saw of the Nets last night, I was disgusted. I mean, it's the Pistons. Uh, but it's the second half of a back-to-back, and I actually I cracked up watching you on Yes at the halftime talking about like Ben Simmons right away, like that 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 hook shot that he attempted in the paint and it came up like two feet short. Yeah, he's the most frustrating guy to watch ever. I didn't want the Nets to default into trading for him and taking on this headache, but here he is, and he goes out of that game last night. He he gets like his eye grazed. Like I, I think everybody that has played basketball has been poked in the eye before. He walks off, and I just had a feeling he's not going to return. Yep. And then and then they say it's left knee soreness, and I don't expect him to play tomorrow because he's ducking smoke. He does not want to be on that floor with the Knicks and the Nets, Battle of the Burrows, all of New York watching, and uh, I don't, I just don't see how the Nets win. Now, obviously, Nick Claxton has emerged. He's playing great. He's getting his respect, and he's looking like the Nets have wanted him to look. Kyrie Irving goes from dropping 30 to 40. He'll have to drop 50 to probably beat the Knicks. But uh, in this matchup coming up, you know, what are, what are you expecting to see? I just think the, the Knicks are coming off a Celtics win. And, uh, you know, now Jalen Brunson steps into this rivalry and they come to Brooklyn and their fans are going to be fired up to come into Barkley Center. And uh, I'm not feeling too confident about the game. They'll, the Nets will probably find a way to win. That's how it'll go, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, a couple of things. First of all, where in New Jersey are you from? You I'm from, I'm from Monmouth yeah. County. Yeah, of course. I'm from the okay. shore. Right. Look at you. Living the life. Uh, I mean, you know this from watching uh, the Nets and paying close attention to it. You look at the way Ben Simmons was playing when Kevin Durant was out there. He wants to be a role player. And I think he could kind of be a role player in the vein of Draymond Green, where he's not, you know, where he should be hovering around, even though he should be scoring more than this. But let's just say 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. And he was kind of doing that. When Kevin Durant played, I think the problem with Ben Simmons, once that kind of security blanket of Kevin Durant left, he, he it's not in his head like, i got to do more offensively. Now, he did in the third quarter against Philadelphia, which led me to believe that something must have happened at halftime of that game. I don't even think he took a shot in the first half against Philadelphia. And all of a sudden, in the third quarter, he had 10 They points. laid into him. They told him, they said, Ben, they, we're, we're on your floor. This is Philadelphia. They're all yep. looking at you. Do something, bro. Yeah, and you could hear it kind of in Jock Vaughn's voice after the game against Philly after the game last night uh, that they lost to Detroit. So it's disappointing. I, I, you know, if he's healthy enough, I hope I hope he's out there playing. But when he did walk off the court, I turned to Chris Sheeran, who's the, you know, the host of the uh, pre- and post-game show Chris. on Yes last Tell night. Chris, I and said, I said what's up? <laughs> I, well, I said, I said, I got a funny feeling that's going to be sore. Left me sore. I'm not going to return. Sure enough, that's uh, what it was. But the one thing about the, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, you know, Carrie Irving, you know, who's playing for a contract, has been off the charts good. And come on, Keith, last night he he rested 41 seconds in the second half. He played the entire second half. And it's not just offense, because we all know that Kyrie Irving is a brilliant offensive player. He's getting after it defensively, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a great job, like weak side help on Joel Embiid. So Kyrie's been terrific. And then really the biggest revelation of this Brooklyn season has been the play of Nick Claxton. He's been, I mean, on both ends of the court, he's incredibly confident. 
you know, Joel Embiid and Montrez Harrell tried to punk him the other night. They tried to talk, you know, what to him, and he just stood there. He didn't. He didn't get thrown off his game. He didn't. He go quietly back talked him. back. He quietly said what he had but, to say. But that's exactly. But great. then he also did it in a way where he was productive, which is the which is really the best way to answer you. You know, listen, I could come up with some good one liners too to come back at you, but I still got. I still got to be able to perform. He had career highs three nights in a row scoring. Like he now was, he's he's looking like. It's easy to score, and it used to be a struggle. And even his his free throws are improving. He's finding it. Yeah, and that's 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 why I think you know the great thing you know when Kevin Durant got hurt against Miami, and I was doing the game that night. The fact that he stayed in for a couple of possessions, mm-hmm. I thought there's no way that this is season ending. And I you know everyone figured it would probably be two to four weeks, and I think we're coming up on three weeks now. But he's going to come back and. You know, Kevin Durant has played so well this season, regardless of all the nonsense that went on over the summer, which was all created by him. And I give the Nets a lot of credit for the way that they handled it. They just kept quiet. They said, sure, we'll trade you. We'll call Boston. If Boston, give us a, give us Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. No. They went around to all the teams, asked for, you know, asked for the moon, which they shipped to Kevin Durant. They went back to Kevin Durant. We can't make a trade. Let's see. Let's just uh, play it out. And Kevin Durant, you knew, was going to give you unbelievable effort. I think the guy is an unbelievable leader on the court. He holds guys accountable. He plays defense. He passes out of double teams. He's unselfish. He's been great. So when he does come back, and you got Kyrie, and you got Nick Claxton, and you got Kevin Durant, that's two uh, all stars and a, an emerging all star in Nick Claxton. It's just going to be up to those role players like Seth Curry, who you can rely on, Royce O'Neal, who you can rely on, and they're going to need Ben Simmons. I'd also like to see them add maybe a backup uh, big man. But the, you know, Ben Simmons, Keith, I said it when they traded for him. He's never going to play with a better player than Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So in, enjoy this while you can, and go out there, like go out there and excel with with Kevin Durant. He's the perfect teammate to have. And to be fair, Ben Simmons was really good when Kevin Durant was out there. Yeah, they need him. They all need him. Yuta Watanabe, T.J. Warren, right. uh, they all need Katie. He makes everybody better. Hey, thanks yeah, for right. joining us. Uh, last thing I wanted to leave you with, I don't know if. We've never actually met. I've never like shaken your hand. But I thought I, I no. I thought I, ran I, met, into you I thought in I met you at a game a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, it was before I was on the fan. I was recording and uh, I was calling you out. I was like, "He's a Knicks fan. He's a Knicks fan." And it was on video. I don't think I ever posted it, but that was me. <laughs> same same kid. I just was back then. I was vlogging and podcasting, and uh, you know, I was like Frank Isola. He's a Knicks fan in here, and you you said you're like I'm not a Knicks fan. <laughs> I think I think in by definition. You're harassing me the way that Jim Dolan talks about fans harassing him. So <laughs> yeah, but you, there's no come, face recognition if, technology if come, in Brooklyn. You, I can do it online. If you come to my there. house, if you come to my house, I might have my uh, puppy, uh, you know, chew on your uh, leg or something like that. <laughs> That's all good. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, Keith, uh, you going to the game tomorrow night? No, uh, I, I don't want to see that one. We might the Nets might lose to the Knicks, and I don't want to be surrounded yeah, by Knicks fans I, in there and uh, taking an L. I've been to yeah, a bunch of wins. I've been to like three yeah. or four of the last eight wins. I think Kyrie and Jalen Brunson that could that could be a fun match. It should, I think it's going to be going to be a this, great game. Getting a day off, Jock Vaughn will give them a day to prepare. I think tomorrow night and they're rested. Tomorrow night should be a good game. Looking forward to it, and uh, like I said, tell Chris here and I said what's up. Keep crushing it on yes and doing your thing, man. Thanks, Keith. You too. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Frankie Ice, New York Hoops. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.